Today on Abounding Grace, we have a look at the gift of service. You know, the measure of your maturity, the measure of your spiritual growth, the measure of your success, guys, is not how many people serve you. No way. The measure of our maturity is not how many people serve us. It's how many people we serve and serve and serve. And those of you with the gift of service, this comes just so beautifully, supernaturally natural in your life. This is amazing grace. Looking back to when you were a kid at Christmas time, did you, like me, occasionally look under the tree to see which gift was yours? Maybe even shook a few presents or even sneaked a peek to see what's inside? Well, you might say that's sort of what we're doing today on Abounding Grace. We're peeking into each spiritual gift God has given His children to see which one is ours. And you will soon discover few things are as thrilling in life than when you put these gifts into use. Today, Pastor Ed Taylor looks into the gift of service. Take your Bibles, open them to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, as we are looking at the seven primary motivational spiritual gifts here in Romans chapter 12, that as a believer in Jesus Christ, every single person that is born again has been given at least one spiritual gift. Some of you have many more than just one of these seven, but every one of you has one. And if you have more than one, there is one that raises to the top, that rises to the top, and that's your motivational gift. That's what moves you in ministry. That's where you default to how you naturally, but so much more supernaturally from the Lord operate in the body of Christ. And many of you learned last week that your gift was prophecy. And how you now using it and some of the dangers that come with that spiritual gift. So many more of you are going to learn now that service or ministry is your spiritual gift. And how encouraging it is to know where we fit in his church. See, God has a place for us in our local church where God has brought us to this church with specific spiritual gifts so we could use them in this church, but he's also put us in the larger church. And there is a unique place for every single one of us individually. We are independent, the Bible says, and yet we're interdependent. We're all individual members, but we're part of the body, and we all function in that way. And here's what Paul says in verse 6 of Romans chapter 12. He says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that's given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith, or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. And there will be a familiar pattern that we follow in each of these studies. First of all, I'm going to give you the biblical definition and a description of the spiritual gift. Then secondly, we're going to look at the spiritual gift through the life of Jesus Christ. Thirdly, we're going to look at the spiritual gift in the early church. And then finally, we're going to look at some of the dangers to look out for for the person that has this gift, some of the characteristics, some of the things to watch out for. So here is the definition. 
The definition of the gift of ministry, and if you'd like to write in your Bibles, you can circle that word ministry and write next to it service. The definition of this nonverbal gift is practicing the truth. Practicing. It's a practical gift. It's practicing the truth. The Greek word for ministry here is diakonia, or diakonia, and it's spelled D-I-A-K-O-N-I. Different ways to pronounce it, but it's the Greek word. Remember, the New Testament was written in the Greek language. We have it today translated into the English language. But the word, the original word for ministry literally means to wait on. We get our picture, we get the picture of a waiter or a waitress. That's actually where that idea comes from. Where when you're in a restaurant, you have someone that's dedicated to waiting on you. And what that means is they're there to serve you. That's what it means, to serve you. And every one of us that have been in a restaurant, we have been able to tell the difference between a good waiter and a bad waiter, a good waitress and a bad waitress. I mean, the good waiters and waitresses, they, they never allow your glasses to get too empty. They never, they're always there filling your glass. They're always there making sure things are okay. They're always around with an eye shot. They're kind of keeping their eye on you if you need anything. Like if you were at a Mexican restaurant, man, the chips are always full and the salsa is always coming. Like those are the ones. But the bad ones, you're like, like where, did, where did she go? Like, is everything, where did she, where did she go? And, and you're like, man, are we ever going to get our food? And by the time it comes, it's cold. And when you look around, there she is, or there he is on, her phone, on his phone, you know, just kind of copping an attitude. And you're like, ah. Oh. And it's the same within the church. There are good servants, you know, people that serve really well and people that don't serve well at all. And that's really the mind behind serving. It, while the church has taken this word and created an office, the office of a deacon, In reality, the word just simply means to serve. God has given some men and women in the church the supernatural ability to serve and serve and serve. It's what comes supernaturally natural to them. They see a need and fill it. A person with the gift of service often finds his or her joy in meeting the needs of others. It gives them personal inward pleasure. Using the picture of a waiter or a waitress, you could say this about the person with the supernatural gift of serving. They love to fill up the cups of the saints. They're desirous to serve others. They have a tremendous joy in supporting others, in supporting people. One side of this gift has everything to do with manual labor. They love to take care of things. They love to do things. They love to fix things. They love to remodel. Hands-on mission trips, relief efforts are one area, one way, or several ways in a practical way that this is the, you're just good. You're a carpenter. You you love to fix things. You you can just do that. Uh, Or it can be even technology. You like to fix computers and such. You just love to serve. A person with the gift of service generally doesn't like to be up front. So there's a lot of behind-the-scenes things, just real practical things, picking up trash and mopping and cleaning, and it's really a practical gift within the ministry, within life. You may even find that you have a job where it comes out, where you're looking at your coworker getting overwhelmed with work, and your heart is just to help them out. Give me a little bit of that. Give me a stack. Let me take some of that stack off of you so I can just help you out. Why? Because you have that gift of service, and you see the need, and you want to help someone. You want to support someone. You don't really prefer to be up front, 
Many people with the gift of service don't want to be known. They don't want to be recognized. They would rather be anonymous and behind the scenes. The person with the gift of service just loves to see things run smoother. It brings you great joy when you hear how a project that you were a part of was a blessing and you don't want any credit, any attention. Like, for example, on a short-term mission trip, uh, there are people that go, but there are also people that send. And so the person of service, if they can't go on the trip, they still want to be on the trip. So they kind of help it get to going. They, they help things get in order. They're serving. They might make burritos for one of the burrito sales here or whatever it might be. And then when they come up and give the report, you're just like, man, that was so cool. I got to be a part of that. Because you really see the value of your serving, even if you weren't practically there you can see how you were able to support them and you just like are so happy that you were a part of it. You tend to like to work with your hands or whatever it is that you're good at, whether your hands or your mind. A person with the gift of service actually can see it as a thrilling thing. Like there's a thrill in your life to be able to help others in Jesus' name. And you really don't care what it is. It just makes you happy to help. Often people with the gift of ministry or service, they'll say things like this. Just tell me what you want me to do, and I'll get it done. You don't need to worry about me. I'll just, I'll take care of it, and you can go on to something else. Or, even better, they don't ask or wait to be told, but after seeing something that needs to be taken care of, they just jump in and take care of it. I mean, there's so much, if we put it into the context of our church family, there's so much that gets done that we have no idea who ended up doing it. And for many of you that are a part of that, you would like it that way. You don't want anybody to know. You just want to do what needs to be done, take care of it, and move on because that's your gifting. That's what God wants to do through your life, and that's what you want to do for the Lord. If you have the gift of service, you see things in your mind and have a tendency to be a good planner. Now, I don't necessarily mean that that is a, that, that is a gift of administration, not necessarily. But you have a, an idea of kind of thinking ahead and what you need to do and how you need to do it because you tend to say yes to so many things and you want to get them all done. So you kind of plan ahead and go, I could do this on Monday and then maybe I could do this on Tuesday. And you have that tendency to look ahead when it comes to how you can serve more because you're looking to serve more, not less. It seems like you can juggle a lot of things in your head uh, where you're just able to take care of things uh, in a practical realm. People with the gift of service tend to finish what you start. You have a, a desire to finish what you start, and you'll even work extra hard, extra hours. You'll put in whatever you need to do in order to complete the task and make sure the deadlines are met because you don't want anybody to look at you and go, why didn't this get taken care of when you've been given the task and that's what you like to do. So you'll even, you'll work overboard, man. You'll go, you'll put in whatever hours you need because you want to finish what you started. That's very important to the person with the gift of service. Also, A person with the gift of service is usually more interested in meeting the needs of other people than even paying attention to your own needs. And sometimes how that works out, a simple illustration of that is you spend a lot of time cleaning the building here, cleaning the property, but at home, your house is a mess. And it's not because you're lazy. It's not that at all. It's just you're doing something else, and as something else gets neglected because you would care more for others than you would for even yourself. You would wash somebody sick, you'd go over to wash their dishes before you ever wash yours. Why? Because you have the gift of service. You just get joy out of helping someone else 
grow. Or within, the, within a church or maybe at work, you just get great joy of helping a ministry grow and becoming more fruitful. And how that, works at, how that might look at work is you just, man, you have no problem doing whatever you need to do to make your boss look good. It brings you joy. You just want them to be blessed. Because you've learned that when your boss is happy, you're probably going to be happy. And it's a good thing. And that's just how you're made. Other people are kind of cutting corners and messing around, but not you. Because you take great joy in sharing in someone else's success, even if you're not a part of it. You get a joy out of helping someone else's ministry grow and become more fruitful. And let me just tell you, as a pastor here and also as a fellow servant and someone who I think also has the gift of serving in my life, I am so appreciative for those of you here in the church that have this gift. I I just appreciate you, and I love you. So much gets done. I don't know all of the sources of how it gets done, but so much is done in the collectiveness of our ministry together that we just really appreciate all that you do, whether you do a little or a lot or anything in between. If you've ever done anything for the Lord that would help this ministry and help us reach the lost and help us fulfill the vision of when disciples send, help us take care of things, help us fold things and staple things and anything else that we're doing, We just want to thank you guys very much for serving here in this church and and just may the Lord multiply your number in our church. And by the way, we just gave you a little bit of appreciation. Some of you with the gift of service didn't like that at all. You just had a little feeling like, I don't want to be thanked. I'm good. That's the gift of service. And there's always a fine line, isn't there? Because we want to appreciate you. Man, we want you to know how valuable and how loved you are. But that at the same time, we got to always find the balance that we don't want to inflate your pride or we don't want to remove, you know, we don't want you to serve for the pats on the back. But at the same time, we want to give you the pats on the back to encourage you in the Lord. And it's a fine line. Uh, and, and so we always lean on the, the side of appreciation. We just want to appreciate you. We want to love you. We want you to know that how valuable you are to this church. And if you're listening in, uh, wherever church you're in, man, I can't tell you how precious and how valuable you are to your church family, to your home, to your community, to your workplace. God uses you in amazing ways to bring glory to his name. Remember, the spiritual gifts are given to us for one purpose and one purpose only, and that's to point and draw attention to Jesus Christ. He's alive today because he came, God in human flesh, to the earth. He lived a life sinless for three years, and his reward for sinless living was brutal crucifixion. But it was all part of the plan of God because through his death on the cross and the blood that was shed, the the sins of men and women can be forgiven. And you today can experience the forgiveness of your sins by placing your faith in Jesus, turning away from your sinful past, and accepting him as your Savior. That's the greatest gift that anyone could ever, could ever accept and receive from God. It's God's desire to be in relationship with you, with his creation. It's his desire to bridge the gap from you and him that has been broken by sin. And when we're talking about gifts, remember, the gifts aren't to glorify ourselves. The gifts aren't to make a name for ourselves. The gifts aren't designed for us to get attention and draw attention to ourselves, but rather to bring glory and honor to God. And for some of you, in just a few moments, I'm going to invite you to respond to the invitation to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, to turn your life toward him, to live for him, The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, this is what the Bible says, you will be saved. It's not a future. It's not something that's a process. 
The Bible says that you will be born again. As a matter of fact, Jesus put it this way. Jesus himself, who died and rose again for you, he put it this way. He told that man by the name of Nicodemus, he told him, unless a man is born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. There's no other way. And for those of us that are born again, we have additional gifts that God has for us. It's a beautiful thing. He's given us gifts, gifts to serve him, to be used by him, to find our place in the body. And Jesus, the perfect man, God who took on human form, set aside his divine prerogatives and lived by the Spirit, he exercised the gift of, of service. Let me show you a few things. Turn over to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. The second point that we look at together is how did this gift operate in the life of Jesus? Well, notice first of all what Jesus says of himself. Mark chapter 10. Of course, all throughout Jesus' life, he was a servant. Serving, serving, serving. That was the mark of his life. And he says it this way. Draw your attention to verse 44 in Mark's gospel chapter 10. Jesus is speaking of the third person, but he's speaking about himself. And he says this. Whoever you desires to be first shall be the servant of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be, what does your Bible say? Served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus didn't come to be served, but he came to serve and to give. He came to serve and give, serve and give. That's his heart, and that's what he did. And as he speaks of himself, he says, look, the pattern and the model that I'm giving you is that even I didn't come to be served, but to serve. Because the way that God does things is not the way that the world does things. The way that God develops leadership in our lives is not the way that the, the world does. Serving in the church, Jesus says, serving me is not going to be the same like the world. Living as a Christian is very different than the non-believer. For those of you that are born again, your life should be different, markedly different than what it was. Your heart and your attitudes should be changing. All the talents that you have and all the education that you have and everything that has brought you to this point should be dedicated and devoted to the Lord. You should see every part of your life as touching eternity. That wherever you are and whatever God has entrusted to you has been given to you for the sole purpose of bringing people to Jesus Christ. That is it. It's not like the world. The world likes to lord over. The, the world loves to, to parade their titles. And, and the world loves things that, that Jesus says, look, I didn't even come to be served. And if there was anyone on the planet earth that deserves our worship and service, it's Jesus. But in the model, he says, look, I want you to follow my model. I, I want you to learn how to serve because I didn't even come to be served. I came to serve. You know, the measure of your maturity, the measure of your spiritual growth, The measure of your success, guys, is not how many people serve you. No way. The measure of our maturity is not how many people serve us. It's how many people we serve and serve and serve. And those of you with the gift of service, this comes just so beautifully, supernaturally natural in your life. And so much maturity comes through your life. Not only did Jesus speak of of servanthood from his mouth, but let's look at one example of many. Turn to John chapter 13. A very significant example, John chapter 13. In John 13, we have one of the most epic examples of service in the life of Jesus. He's there together just before, it says in verse 1, the feast of Passover. And 
Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. I like that. That's just such a sweet truth to be reminded of. Jesus loves you to the end, man, all the way. He's not going to leave or forsake you. Supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, he rose up from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. This is a very significant event. In the first century, it was common for the task of washing feet, first of all, for it to be needed because the dirty, dusty roads of Israel, you would have just an open-toed sandals and even barefoot. Your feet would just be really, really dirty, just really not what you would want to track through a house or have, you know, as they would recline around. We didn't sit at a dinner table like us, like we do in chairs. They would recline sitting down. Your feet would be in someone else's feet, and it'd just be all over. And, and so one of the things you would do when you would come into the home is that there would be a designated person set up to wash your feet. Now, this wasn't just any designated person. The person that was washing the feet was most often, not the kids, not the head of the home, not the wife. It was the lowest of the lowest slaves of the home or servants of the home. That was their responsibility. And Jesus sees that at this point, nobody washed the feet. The lowest servant, nobody showed up. Not even the disciples. Everybody knew this was normal. This was normal. You, just, you, know, you don't just throw your coat. We'll just go get your coat and put it on. Like if, you, if I saw that, I would make sure, no, no, we'll take care of your coat. Same with the feet. Like this is just normal. We, we need to have our feet washed for dinner. It's a necessity. And not even the disciples. They knew that feet needed to be washed. None of them said, I think I'll do it. Jesus seeing the need without saying a word, without rebuking anyone, he took the towel, he took the basin, and he washed their feet. It was a very humbling thing to do. You're listening to Abounding Grace with Ed Taylor. Ed, as you're describing these motivational spiritual gifts, I was wondering if you'd tell us about the gifts God has given you. Well, Larry, that's a great question because I think I sit in the same seat as many of you listening right now that wrestle with, with which one is my primary? And I think I have most of them or all of them, or I think I have these three. And if I had to summarize it today, if you ask, like you asked me today, I'm going to summarize it today. I believe the primary gifting that God has given me in life is teaching. I, I believe I have the role and gift of pastor teacher. I also have a firm conviction that anyone in the pulpit overseeing a church must have that gift of pastor teacher. But I, like many people, wrestle because I see a couple gifts very active in my life. And another one is the gift of leadership or administration. That is a natural, common everyday gift that's exercised. I think teaching is too. Uh, and so I've always wrestled between those two, but if I had to pick, I would say teaching. And also I love, I, I believe I operate in the gift of giving. I also think I operate in the gift of mercy. Uh, I think I ha also move in the prophetic. Uh, I think I, uh, I, as I look at these gifts, I'm like, well, I can see all of them in my life. But like, like we've learned, there's the primary or the one, the one that's operating moves you, then the others come alongside to support it. But teaching, 
administration, giving. I love to give. God has given me uh, so much, and I just think I love that. Uh, I love to move in that realm, and uh, so yeah, it's it's that's a great question because I it made me feel like I know a lot of you listening are feeling like hmm, I don't know, maybe this one, maybe that one. I think all those dangers are for me, and like yes, yes, and yes, and you can move in all of them as you're just being led by the Holy Spirit. So good. Just like Pastor Ed, you've been given spiritual gifts as well. We hope all of this encourages you to put them to good use. And if you'd like to hear this study again, drop by AboundingGraceRadio.com. Well, today we're excited to tell you about a book written by Scott Sauls titled, Beautiful People Don't Just Happen. It reads sort of like a field guide and will lead you to what the Bible calls the secret of being content in every circumstance. You'll also find hope in how God is drawn toward you in your sin and sorrow. Get a better idea of how God uses our struggles to make us more lovely. And learn how to quiet shaming and wearing thoughts with God's divine countervoice. We'll gladly send you a copy of Beautiful People Just Don't Happen for a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Thank you for remembering us in your prayers and giving to the Lord. Your gift, whatever the size, will serve to help us reach thousands with the message of Christ. Reach us toll free at 877-30-GRACE. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora. 